Welcome to You Were Made For This. If you find yourself wanting more from your relationships, you've come to the right place. Here you'll discover practical principles you can use to experience the life-giving relationships you were made for. And now here's your host, John Sertalic. Hey, thank you, Carol. Hello and happy March 4th to everyone who is listening in real time today, March 4th, 2020. If you haven't yet decided where you want to march forth today on March 4th, I have a suggestion for you at the end of the show. But before we get into today's topic, the greatest obstacle to our relationships, a listener from South Carolina asked if I would explain what he called my strong reaction to the relationship quote from last week's episode 53. You might recall that quote came from Princess Diana who said, I don't go by a rule book because I lead from the heart, not the head. Hmm. Well, our, our listener um, actually took exception with that. He, he really liked that quote. He said, I, I saw that quote as being focused on relationships, and uh, I actually think that it tied in really well with your podcast. You know, that was one where he talked about my grandson, George, who was shoveling our driveway, and and no one helped him. It's kind of a long story, so if you're interested, uh, uh, you know, just go back to uh, listen to episode 53. Anyway, this listener in South Carolina said uh, our neighbors were using their heads in their relationship, and were using their rule book to determine that since helping George would offer no direct benefit to them, there was really no point in doing so. He goes on to say, if they had instead used their hearts and saw George shoveling snow by himself, I think they would have had more uh, willingness to to help. Hmm. Well, you know, he's the second listener, actually, that has brought this up. Took a different view of that quote from Princess Diana than I did. But I I need to explain myself. I was thinking more about her quote in terms of relationship to leadership principles than to interpersonal relationships. I mean, think of that for a minute. If we had no rules and we were were just leading from our heart, that, that would vary from day to day. We wouldn't have any absolutes to go on. We wouldn't have a need for laws. We wouldn't have a need for people to enforce those laws. Every ba- everything would be different. There would really be uh, no stability in, in, our, in our culture. But I do understand what he's saying, that you know, sometimes we really do need to lead from our heart. If our heart is telling us that someone has a need that we can help fulfill, by all means. You know, another one of her quotes I came across, I thought, well, did I really get this wrong? So I was looking, doing some more research on Princess Diana. Um, uh, One of the quotes of hers, actually, there aren't aren't that many, but the one that is quoted most often is this, only do what your heart tells you. Oh, man, I I would get into all kinds of trouble if I did only what my heart uh, tells you. Well, at the end of today's show, I have a a really good relationship quote from another famous Brit that I wholeheartedly endorse. So, so stay tuned for that if, if you've been annoyed by my railing on Princess Diana. Well, thank you, Nathan, who is the South Carolinian listener that uh, responded to 
that quotation, and I hope I clarified where I'm coming from. I still think it's the dumbest quote I've ever heard. I, I don't go by a rule book because I lead from the heart, not the head. And I always look forward to hearing how people are responding to the show and anything they agree with or disagree with. So keep those comments coming. Well, so much for last week's show. It's time to move on now to today's episode 54, where we will examine the greatest obstacle to experiencing the kind of relationships we were made for. Because once properly identified, we can then deal more effectively with this relational roadblock in order to experience the joy that God wants for us in our relationships. The Apostle Paul tackles this subject in the 12th chapter of the book of Romans in the Bible. In verse 2 he writes, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. That's how the New Living Translation of the Bible translates it. Other versions read, Do not be conformed to this world, do not conform to the pattern of this world, or do not conform to this age. Regardless of the version you go with, and they're all quite similar, they all raise the question, exactly what are the behaviors and customs or pattern of this world in the age in which we live? The answer to this question, in my mind, reveals the greatest obstacle to experiencing the life-giving relationships we were all made for. Listen in and let's discover exactly what this formidable foe is to our relationships. I start with the premise that because the Bible was written for all people, for all cultures, for all time periods of history, we have to consider what Paul is talking about that is universal to the human condition. What's the behavior, pattern, and customs of this world that is true now and was true in Paul's day in the first century, and which is true in all cultures and true of all of mankind at all stages of history? Well, I've got a story that I think will shed some light on this. Several years ago, Janet and I and our colleagues, uh, Roger and Rose, uh, we were putting on a workshop at a church. We called it a Caring Congregations Conference. And I was up there speaking and talking about listening, how very important that is to contribute to the caring, nurture, and quality of, of any congregation. And there was time for a break, and a man came up to me uh, during the break with a folded-up newspaper that he handed to me. It was a copy of uh, USA Today. And he said, I I just got back from a business trip, and on the plane there was a copy of uh, USA Today, and there's an interesting article here that that, uh, really ties into what you're talking about. I I thought you might might be interested in it. Well, he gave me the newspaper, and I didn't have time to read it then, but I read it later. And uh, since that time, I've often quoted this article in, in talks that I give on listening. And I think it speaks to the issue in, of, of what is the pattern and customs of this world uh, in a very succinct way. And it's a very short article, and uh, I'll just read it to you. And the article is from USA Today by a columnist by the name of Craig Wilson. And the article is entitled, One Question, Why Aren't You Asking Me Any? Every now and then, a reader will ask me to write on a certain subject. 
Actually, it's not every now and then. It's almost daily. Why don't you write about penguins, someone asked me the other day. As cute as they are and as in as they are, I don't really have much to say about penguins. Never even met one, in fact. Nor do I have anything to say about National Pancake Day, which incidentally was just last week. Maybe you missed it. I did. Someone offered that up as a topic, too. I had to confess I was a French toast kind of guy. But a reader in Oklahoma City piqued my interest last week when he wrote about a, quote, serious problem, unquote, spreading across the land. He thought that if I were to highlight it here, it might be stopped. I doubt it, but let's give it a try. The problem? He dubbed it me-ism. What he and his wife have found is that they can spend great amounts of time with recent acquaintances and those people never ask a personal question of them. Not one. Hmm. Even on trips abroad, they've discovered that fellow travelers spend copious amounts of time telling all about themselves, but never ask anything in return. A one-way rue in Paris. Why, he asked. Good question. And I thought it was just me. For more than 30 years, it has been my day job to ask questions. So it's just natural for me to corner strangers at social gatherings and inquire about everything from their shoes to their children. Women especially can talk about both topics for hours. Without fail, I'm more interested in the shoes than the children. But I'm always perplexed that more often than not, no one seems to ask anything about me. As much as I hate thee and what do you do, Leiden, I'd be grateful for even that on occasion. Until recently, I thought it was just a Washington thing. In a city filled with egos bigger than Texas, you get used to having people look over your shoulder for someone more powerful, more useful, more connected. As for inquiring about me, I'm not that foolish anymore. But now, it's even happening in Oklahoma City. Not good. I have turned the one-sided chat into a game now. When I meet a stranger at a party, I'll ask a thousand questions, then wait in silence to see if any questions bounce back. Sometimes I've stood there for five minutes, which, believe me, is a long time for me to be silent. Usually, these people just smile and look a bit perplexed, perhaps wondering why I'm no longer interested in their fascinating life. For years now, I've had a button on the bulletin board over my desk. It's bright yellow and has a simple message. Ask a bunch of questions. I don't know where it came from. I've always assumed it was some editor's failed attempt to stir the troops. Now I think we should make a million copies and hand them out at parties. Maybe they'd bring out some dialogue in Oklahoma City at least. Washington? I'm not so sure. I really like that article because it says a lot about the behavior and customs of this world in a very short period of time. Well, since uh, I got that article from that gentleman in the workshop, 
I've used it in other workshops. I ask the audience uh, in those workshops uh, several questions. The first one is, why, why do we ask so few questions of each other? And that always leads to an interesting discussion. And another question I'll ask is, when was the last time someone asked you a question that went beyond how are you that was entirely about you and had nothing to do with the questioner and information that he or she wanted? What were you asked and how did you react inside? And then finally, I'll, I'll suggest this. Think of conversations you typically have with friends in relaxed social settings. What would you guess is the percentage of time spent in those conversations that involve people asking questions of each other? One of the things that Janet and I do is we, when we're in public settings and we can hear conversations of other people, oftentimes at restaurants or other places, we'll, we'll notice how a conversation will often be one person uh, just giving a long monologue just going on and on and on. And that happens more, more frequently than, than you would imagine. Um, it's just kind of interesting, uh, an interesting commentary on our culture. Well, I, w- I would have to go along with this columnist from USA Today and cast my vote for meism as the behavior and custom of this world that reflects both today, the first century, and all times before and since. Self-centeredness really is the biggest obstacle to healthy relationships. It affects all of us. And I see it in in, uh, three broad areas of the human experience. One is, um, as we've just heard, how poorly we listen to each other. Uh, Janet and I were at a conference uh, a a weekend or so ago on missionary care, And one of the themes that came through in many of the talks was that one way we can care better for missionaries is simply to listen to them. But this idea of meism just really permeates how poorly we do listen. A second area that meism presents itself is in pride. There's a great book I I read a while back, and one of these days I'll have a podcast about, about this book. It's called Fighting for Peace. Isn't that an interesting title? Fighting for Peace by Dennis D. Morgan. And the premise that he um, presents in that book is that all conflict is caused by an abundance of pride and a lack of humility. Abundance of pride and a lack of humility. And finally, we see meism in our culture in this lack of curiosity about other people and our relationships to the world. One of the reasons we don't listen very well to other people is because we just aren't curious enough. While meism, uh, our self-centeredness, is a significant obstacle to our relationships, it can be overcome. And we'll talk about how to do this in next week's episode, number 55. But for now, if you forget everything else, here's the one thing I hope you remember from today's episode. We are far more self-centered than we realize. The more aware we become of this enemy to our relationships, and the more we take steps to battle it within us, 
the greater fulfillment we will find in our relationships. Here are some things we can do in response to today's show. We can ask ourselves, to what extent does meism permeate my life? Because of the fall, it affects us all. Hey, that's all right. Because of the fall, it affects us all. It's baked into the pattern and customs of all people from all cultures since the beginning of time. And then where, where do we see our own self-centeredness rearing its ugly head in our life? Where do we see it in how we listen to people? How do we see it in our own pride? How do we see it in the level of curiosity or lack of curiosity that we have about people? And then let's march forth, starting today, March 4th, in our relationships free of our self-centeredness. As always, feel free to let me and your fellow listeners know what resonated with you in today's episode, like Nathan did from South Carolina. You can share your thoughts in the leave a reply box at the bottom of the show notes, or you can send them to me in an email to john at caringforothers.org. In closing, I hope your thinking was stimulated by today's show to both reflect and to act so that you will find the joy God intends for you through your various relationships. Because after all, you were made for this. And now our relationship quote of the week. Selfishness is the greatest curse of the human race. By William Gladstone. Selfishness is the greatest curse of the human race. Gladstone was the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom for 12 years, uh, spreading a time span from 1868 and ending in 1894. William Gladstone. He kind of makes up for Princess Diana's quote. Anyway, uh, that's all for today. And uh, see you next week when we uh, figure out, when we talk about how to overcome this obstacle. So, goodbye for now.